0: Or go to anchor.fm to get started.
1: On this week's episode of Cultivating Her Space,
0: healthy relationships involve good communication, but in order to have good communication, you have to know for yourself what it is that you want.
1: In a world where Black women are often misrepresented and misunderstood, please join us as we initiate authentic conversations on everything from fibroids to fake friends and create a safe space where Black women can just be.
0: Hey, lady, it's Dr. Dom here from the Cultivating Her Space podcast. Do you have a burning question you're dying to get feedback on? Do you want an unbiased perspective on a situation you're facing? If so, visit cultivatingherspace.com and click Ask Dr. Dom under the Start Here option. Every Tuesday, I'll choose a few questions and answer them at random. Our quote of the day. It is so liberating to really know what I want, what truly makes me happy. What I will not tolerate. I have learned that it is no one else's job to take care of me, but me. That quote comes to us from Beyonce. And I'm going to read it one more time for the people in the back. Take a minute. And if you need to hit rewind or hit pause, I'm going to give it to you so you can make sure you catch this. It is so liberating. To really know what I want, what truly makes me happy, what I will not tolerate. I have learned that it is no one else's job to take care of me, but me. See, this quote right here. I don't know. (laughs) I, I don't know. What do you think?
1: Well, I love it. I think that it is definitely the epitome of my vibe as a grown woman. Like, as I've come into my womanhood, this is just something that really resonates deeply. Also, being a self sufficient person, like one that v- really values self sufficiency, I think that this is definitely all up in my lane. I love it. I think it's important for us to know what we want. I think that it is also important for us to know what makes us happy and also what we're going to tolerate in life because. Once you know those three things it allows you to figure out okay what's for me what's not for me what relationship do I need to leave you know what I mean what relationship yes. should I pursue whether you know other people think different like it's just it's a very grounding statement I will say what about you
0: I wholeheartedly agree like I think about I was just reading a couple of articles earlier today And one of the things that they were talking about is about healthy relationships. And, you know, the thing about healthy relationships, whether it's a relationship with a romantic partner or a relationship with friends or family, right? Healthy relationships involve good communication. But in order to have good communication, you have to know for yourself what it is that you want. Right. So you can't tell someone, I don't like ice cream. If you for yourself don't know that you don't like ice cream. Right. And you can't expect Mm -hmm. anyone else to be a mind reader and know that you don't like ice cream.
1: Boom, Dom, you hit the nail on the head with that. And what I would add that you made me think about was the fact that the relationship with self is also included in this, boo. You got to be in relationship yes. and in communion with yourself. And I, I think is. that's so underrated. We're, we're often talk about, oh, relationship goals, vacation, bagels. But you have to be in relationship with yourself and ask those questions and be in communication with yourself. Yes, we talk to ourselves over here, right? Even if it's via journaling, it, it's all good. And so I think it is really important to get those questions answered. So today, lady, we're really excited because... We are going to dive into some of the Ask Dr. Dom questions. Now, if you go to our website, herspacepodcast.com, every week Dom is answering questions from our listeners. And literally, if you go to our website, you can click on Ask Dr. Dom at the very top tab and submit your questions. Okay. And Dr. Dom be answering some questions, y'all. Sometimes questions come through, and I'm like, ooh, girl, this is juicy. Like, let's talk about it. So today, we're actually going to read over some of those questions from listeners that have submitted their questions and gave us permission to share. A lot of times they do change the names of the stories because this is real life stuff, okay? So lady, thank you for submitting your questions. And I guess we should just jump on in.
0: Yes, okay. So let's go with this first one. Okay. So this listener has a situation that where she's not sure If she should let go or take a neutral stance and it goes like this, her, this is her story. I'm in a relationship and have been in it for eight years with her significant other. They're in love, but there's a huge elephant in the room starting with his mother. Uh Uh-oh. I know. I know. She says she had a situation where she was moving into an apartment and his mom owns rental properties. And offered her to move into one of those properties instead of paying the same amount of rent to someone else. Right. To a different property. I mean, right there that automatically I feel that there's some something big about to happen. Right. Okay. Uh So her partner's mom knew that the house didn't have a toilet or tub. Oh man. And this listener stayed there for eleven months and had to go take showers at her mom's house. And then I guess after this eleven months passed, his mom calls her and says, She needs for her to move out because she hasn't been paying rent. Now, according to our listeners, she had been paying the mom two hundred dollars a month for a house that had no toilet nor a tub. So, fast forward, she moves out. Listener, our listener moves out, and then she finds out that the woman's grandson and his girlfriend. Move into that space. And when they move into that space, she fixed the bathroom. So there's a toilet, there's a tub, and she's paying utilities for them. So electricity and water. So that's that piece, right? So we got one layer, right? Mm -hmm. And then the next layer is that a couple of years ago, our listener found out that she can't have kids. Because her fallopian tubes are blocked. So that's causing some fertility concerns. Then she learns that the grandson's girlfriend is pregnant. Now, these young people, this grandson and the girlfriend, are 18 years old. And they moved into the
1: house, she said. Yes. Is that right? hmm
0: So she's wondering, is she wrong for being salty? Because... She told her future mother-in-law that she was having laparoscopic surgery to deal with her fertility, and future mother-in-law gave no response, but yet has been very involved with her grandson's girlfriend. So she hasn't spoken to her future mother-in-law in months. She wants to know from us how do we handle this now, mind you let me let me add the other piece that she is still involved, like she's still in a relationship yeah, and
1: this is okay, and this is her boyfriend
0: mm-hmm. one
1: this is loaded, there's a lot here. I will say, lady, this is a lot to be dealing with, so sorry that you've had to experience this. I just want to kind of think about before even offering advice per se, I just want to talk through some of the things that stood out to me and just some general sort of. I want to say best practices that I've learned over the years. One, I think that when you are working with family or friends in some type of like professional capacity, so whether it's loaning money, whether it's, you know, them staying with you or staying at one of your properties or anything like that, that could potentially mess up a relationship, right? If it goes sour, I think having a contract or some type of written agreement is always key because I personally, I prefer not to even, you know, enter into any of these kinds of situations with people that are close to me because I don't want to have that awkwardness of messing up a relationship because someone didn't pay you on time or because someone acted funny, right? So I personally would try not to even get into any of these situations. Lady, I know that is not helpful when you're already in it, but I'm saying for people that are listening, that may be in a similar situation where they're like, oh, I might rent out this space to a friend or let them stay with me. Get a contract because I've heard so many times where people will let someone come into their house and everything's great. They're like, oh yeah, she's going to stay for a month. Oh my gosh, you're so great. We're going to talk and hang out all night. And then you're at month six or month 12 and that person's still there. And it's hard to set those boundaries when folks are already in your space. So as much as they may look at you funny, as much as they may call you bougie, whatever it might be, have a contract when family, when you're doing any type of deal like this with family, that's the first thing I'll say. Two, my personal best practice is when dealing with what we'll call them in-laws, even though it's not her husband, it's her boyfriend. When dealing with in-laws, I personally believe that in most cases, of course, this is case by case, right? But in most cases, I believe that the partner should deal with their family because when you start confronting family members, again, that can get, if you're you're planning on being in a long-term relationship, that can make things sour, but usually a partner is able to move a little differently with their family. So they might be able to approach that person about some boundaries or about whatever it might be. Lady, everyone has different situations. This is just my personal best practice and what I've done in my life or what I've learned from personal experience is, you know, in this case, the boyfriend, he's gonna have to put on his big boy draws and he's gonna have to talk to his mama because if he's allowing his mom to treat you in a certain way, there is no precedent. No, he can't control his mom, but at least letting her know, this is how I feel this woman is important to me, you know, we're in a relationship. I value her letting her know like, this is not cool. I think that's, that's also key. So that's not necessarily advice, but just some of the things that were top of mind for me as you read through this, Tom,
0: what about you? I think that that's important, right? That like, so the key here is, is that it's not about necessarily giving advice per se. And, and so I want to be clear too, that when I, respond to folks who submit letters for the, to the talk back Tuesday and ask Dr. Dom, I do put out there that everyone's situation is unique, right? Mm -hmm. And that, and depending on what's presented, I may say, I may state to someone that, you know, you definitely need to talk to a therapist about this, right? To address this issue. Because again, I'm not that therapist, right? I'm not your licensed mental health provider in this situation. So I do think that that's important, right? To know that this isn't meant to replace like having a relationship with a therapist, but that also thinking about like remembering that the general tips that we give you have to take it and really think about your own unique situation and figure out, yeah. is this really going to be right for me? Mm-hmm. Right. Because yep. especially when we don't know all of the details, right. Like exactly in this situation, I don't know what the relationship is like between boyfriend and his mom. Mm-hmm. Right. And so I think it's that spot on when you say that It's important to know your partner's relationship with their family and to think about how is your partner someone who will advocate for you and stand up for you when their family has been out of line or violated one of your boundaries? Like, is your partner someone who's going to stand up for you or is the expectation that you stand up for yourself to their family in that moment? So it's about knowing those dynamics, right? So I do think Mm -hmm. it is important to have a conversation with your partner's family. The other thing that I do think is also important to point out is that our listener here was staying in a home for almost a year that had no toilet and no tub. And the reality is that in... Any place that I can think of, any city in America that I can think of, there are housing laws around that. And so if this wasn't a situation where she was staying with family or potential family, she could go to the city housing authority and Mm -hmm. file complaints, legal complaints. Because if you're in a, you are not supposed to be renting out a place that doesn't have the basics, that doesn't have Mm -hmm. a toilet or a tub. And maybe it doesn't have a tub, maybe it has a shower, but essentially you need a toilet, you need a sink, you need some place for you to bathe, right? Without those things, I can't think of, and ladies that are listening, if you know something different, please let us know. But I'm not in housing authority. But one thing I know is that that's a that's a basic thing that you need to have in a home. That when I think about apartment complexes that I've lived in that have been managed by like property management companies, that's something that they would not having access. Like if your toilet stops working and there's only one toilet in your place, that's considered a maintenance emergency. Mm -hmm. So to me, I take that bit of information that I'm aware of and know that that also means that in general. If you're leasing a place. It should have the basics. Right. Mm -hmm. And I but I think that goes back to what you were saying earlier around being in situations with friends or family it sets you up to potentially be taken advantage of, right? So there are things that if, we, if there's not a contract there, there are things that may be violations that may be occurring, like housing violations that may be occurring that you can't do anything about because you don't have a, a written lease or some type of formal contract. And so Mm -hmm. then that puts you in a very precarious situation. And so, you know, I think about the question that she's overall asking us. She's asking us about, like, how we feel about the situation. And, you know, I think the thing is, is that it's not necessarily about how you, Terry, or me, Dr. Dom, like how we feel about the situation per se. It's about steps that we could take that we would suggest considering as you are figuring out how to navigate the overall situation.
1: That's a good point, Tom. I would say that one thing you mentioned is therapy. Couples counseling might even be helpful here because that way you and your partner can really talk about family dynamics and things of that nature because it's hard to, like you said, give advice. I, don't, I try to shy away from that mm-hmm. as well because There's so much context that we don't have. And so I know what I might do in a similar situation, but I think couples counseling would be really helpful. And then the other thing I wanted to say is she mentioned, like, am I salty for feeling the type of way because my mother-in-law didn't wish me good luck on the surgery. And I think absolutely. I mean, if you're telling someone that you're having surgery and they're not empathetic and they act like they don't care and then you see them taking care of someone else that, you know, is pregnant. Yeah, I would definitely feel the type of way. And the thing is, depending on the relationship, is it something worth even mentioning? I would recommend, lady, if you're listening and we're addressing your question here, I would recommend you take a look at some of our episodes on mommy issues. Even though this isn't your mother per se, you can find some helpful tips in the mommy issues episodes. I think we have like two or three where you can learn how to set expectations when a mother figure is not showing up in the way that you'd hope that they showed up. Those episodes right there, that will probably give you some real great insight on how to move forward with this type of situation. But it sounds like you're already out of the house and it sounds like there's just sort of some stagnant, maybe energy based on this negative interaction. And so I think those episodes will be helpful. We have another juicy question here, but I want to pass it over to you, Dawn, before we move on to that one.
0: Yeah. So to add on to what you were saying, the thing that I would also do is, you know, again, I can't emphasize enough, like sometimes there is a need to seek therapy. And I think Getting the support that you need around your fertility issues is going to be really important, right? So, whether that's through therapy or that's through your religious organization, or if you have one, or if or your friends, right? So, identifying what's your support system through this process because it does sound like Your partner's mom is not that person. Right. And I could see where it is hurtful to witness that. Right. Because then it also may bring up questions around. So if things continue to progress, if this if my if my current partner is my forever person. How will his family show up for me when I'm in need? Right. Mm -hmm. That's something to think about. Or do I even want his family to show up for me in my time of need? Those are some questions to kind of ask yourself as you're really trying to think about how to navigate this situation.
1: Definitely a tricky one, Dom. Definitely a tricky one. I'm looking at this next question and I'm just like, oh, child, this is, lady, this is a question. The listener said we can use your name, but I feel a little weird, lady, using your name, so we're just going to call you T even though my name is
0: Tim. I was going to say, that's going to get confusing. That- <laughs> okay, okay, that'll be confusing. <laughs> I was just looking at her name.
1: I'm like, well, let's call her Miss Jackson. All right. All right. We'll call her Miss Jackson. Also, this question came along with some screenshots. Now, Dom, you may want to pull up the screenshots of the text messages. And we don't got to read them word for word, but I know there was some disrespectful stuff in the screenshot. So I'm going to go ahead and read Miss Jackson's story. And then you can just kind of give us a quick synopsis on the ratchetness that went on in the messages. All right. Okay. I may or may not get into character. We guys, we're going to see how I feel. All right, Ms. Jackson, here is your story. I need some advice. I'm a married woman with two children. My oldest has a different dad. He's not always there and doesn't pay a dime for anything, but I don't want to stop him from being a part of her life. Her dad, we'll call him David. His other baby mama or living girlfriend, is named Lisa. Lisa and I used to get along a long, long time ago. A couple of years ago, I tried to file for child support. I was then threatened by Lisa that I better not have anyone come to her house to have him served and said I had no right. Also, she told me that I should have told her first before I tried to have him served. Well, he ended up dodging the papers and I gave up. Plus, I was over the drama. She was pregnant, and she also had another son from a previous relationship. Now, I come from an extremely blended family. I know how important it is that everyone is involved in my daughter's life. David has never fully been there for our daughter. So recently, my daughter got a bad grade in school. And the same day, I found out that David was picking her up to take their son, him and Lisa's son, and Lisa's son to Disneyland. I tried to tell him before they left, but he picked her up before I got home. So I texted him and tried to tell him that I needed to talk to him about her behavior and her grade. I figured that he was driving because he didn't answer. So I texted his girlfriend. I just wanted to see if she could relay the message. So I have attached a screenshot of the brief conversation. At this point, she has been downright disrespectful to me, and I'm starting to not want her around my daughter. What should I do? I know that it takes a village to raise a child. So how do I handle this situation? So we're going to read over the screenshots. I don't want to put anyone on blast, so we're not adding any names in here. We're just going to call them X or child, we'll call it, because I don't want to put anyone's kid out there. But it says, hey, I needed David to know about X's grades. She got a D on her report card.
0: Okay, he has a phone.
1: Okay, so... Ms. Jackson thumbs up. You know, she liked this comment and she said, I know he has a phone, but I figured he was driving.
0: So wait till he is done. No point of texting me.
1: Lord. Okay. So now Ms. Jackson says, well, I figured since it's about her schooling, it would be important to know. But okay.
0: When the last time I knew shit about her effing schooling? Girl, bye. Wave hand emoji.
1: Ooh. And then Ms. Jackson put the okay emoji with the thumbs up. God damn. And she got left on red. Okay. That's a lot. That's a lot.
0: That is a lot. And so, you know, I think unfortunately negative co-parenting relationships happen, right? They're not uncommon. And I think the thing to think about is the child. Mm -hmm. A lot of times parents get focused on their feelings, which makes sense because we're human. Right. But then the child gets forgotten in all of this. I can't tell grown people how to feel. I can't tell anybody. Let me let me back up. I can't tell anybody how to feel grown, child, otherwise, right? But I think that that is like the number one thing is to think about the child. And when you remind yourself that the focus is on the child, that may allow yourself to acknowledge your real feelings that are coming up, but then put those on pause to figure out what does the child need in this moment? Mm-hmm. And how can we come together as a team to address the needs of the child?
1: Yeah, I think that's spot on, Dom. I would agree with that 100%. And I will say, in full transparency, I personally have never had to deal with baby mama drama and co parenting. However, being a product of a blended family, I watched my parents. Do co-parenting pretty well growing up, so I'd love to just share what I saw them do mm-hmm. that benefited me as a child. I will say, being an adult, I heard about things that happened behind the scenes when I was younger that I was never privy to. So I think great. they did a good job, right? They did a good job initially because I'm sure initially, you know, to give you context, there was my mom, her husband, my bonus dad, and then my dad who were all kind of in the mix. And, you know, my dad still, of course, wanted to be, not of course, but my dad still wanted to be in my life. And so they had to figure that co-parenting situation out. And I was living with my mom and my bonus dad. And so initially, I don't think it was a very smooth, intentionless situation, especially when you're dealing with, I don't know, I think sometimes, I don't know. I don't know, it's just tricky stuff. Because at that time, my, my bonus dad was in my life when I was two. And when him and my mom got married, I ended up being raised to call him dad. So it was like, you're know, you calling another person dad and then you have another dad, it can be tricky. But what I noticed that they did that worked really well is it was open communication. So my bonus dad and my dad, I wouldn't say they had a relationship, they weren't buddies, but over the years, they began to talk and communicate with one another. And one thing my dad told me recently is, He told me that years ago when I was younger, I did something bad. I was being a badass little kid. And my bonus dad called my dad and was like, Terry's acting up and I don't know what to do. And I think my dad wasn't even on my side. I think my dad was like, you need to whoop that butt. I think that's what he said. Something like that. You need to discipline her. And so they were able to have that conversation without my mom being involved. And again, talk about what I needed as a child that was misbehaving. You know what I mean? And so I think that was key. Also, you know, my mom would invite my dad over to stay with us so that he could visit me. So they were all three in the same space together, being mature adults. And so it takes all parties to be involved, to be active participants, or it can be really, really tough, you know, when you have one person that's bitter or that's immature. And so I want to kind of go back to what Dom said, therapy. I know that everyone may not be in a position to, you know, lean into therapy, but there are definitely other resources out there. So whether it's a podcast that talks about co-parenting and gives you strategies and tips on how to co-parent. So maybe it's not the herspace podcast for that particular topic right now. I don't think we have any topics at this point, but we should definitely explore that in the future. But maybe there's a podcast about parenting and they dive into co-parenting and they have experts on that talk about their experiences, maybe leveraging that. I don't know, Dom, you know any other resources or any other advice that you give Ms. Jackson?
0: Yeah. So I would say that there are definitely, you know, yes, other podcasts that address parenting concerns. And I think that in addition to focusing on the child first, I think the next thing is identifying for yourself, if you are in a situation like Ms. Jackson, where the co-parents are n- not showing up in a way that you think feels good for you, or is not in a way that's not meeting your needs, then I think that in those situations, it's a matter of kind of stepping back and saying, okay, well, then how else can I address this situation? Right? So, you know, it seems like David is not. On the same page as Ms. Jackson in terms of parenting. Now, I don't know if, because again, we don't have all the context, I don't know what type of conversations Ms. Jackson has tried to have with David to foster a healthy co parenting relationship. But that's one thing that I would encourage. And then also knowing, you know, thinking about whether you need the courts involved, right? And I know that a lot of us don't want to get the courts involved. And it sounds like Ms. Jackson did because she tried to file for child support, right? And to me, when I, th- I think when it comes to the courts, if you've made that decision to get the courts involved, it's kind of like that's when, unless there's some... Ex- Extenuating circumstance that comes up, if you've made a decision that, okay, I'm going, I'm filing these papers, working on child support, working on working on custody, all of those things, then unless some extreme extenuating circumstances come up, then you continue to stick with that, right? Especially if your co-parent is not going along with the program. And it may be hard to set those boundaries because we also have to consider. Well, this was someone that you probably had a relationship with that there is some emotional connection to. Right. Whether it's positive or negative emotions, there's some emotions connected to this person. And so to me, it's really about, okay. well, maybe since I since Miss Jackson has made the decision to get the courts involved, that may be the more helpful option for her to get what she needs. And so instead of having any communication with David and Lisa for right now, leaving it strictly up to the courts. And I know, I get that that does not always feel like humane. It doesn't always feel like the more personable thing to do. But if you have tried and Your co-parents have made it clear that that's, you know, through their actions and and sometimes their words and judging by this text message. Then. Again, as the parent, you also have to think about, okay what is truly going to be best for the child in this situation? And I like what you pointed out, Terry, about. Your situation growing up, that. Your parents, you were not. Privy as a child growing up, you were not privy to any of the drama that was happening between the adults, mm-hmm. and I think that's healthiest for the kid. That yeah, that they just don't know. Even though kids are pretty perceptive, right? So to so some oh, extent, oh, yeah. they may know. Well, mommy and daddy are not getting along, or mm-hmm. mommy and bonus mommy aren't getting along. They may have some sense of it, but it's mm. more helpful, more beneficial to them to not be aware of to not see it.
1: Exactly, to not see it. I'm with you, Don. Those are really good points. I will say, Miss Jackson, kudos to you for, you know, still I wanna say supporting David being in your daughter's, you know, life. Yeah. Considering that he hasn't been there. It sounds like he wasn't taking the initiative. So to Still put your daughter's interest first because it is, in most cases, I think it is important for kids to be in connection with their parents. Mm-hmm. You know, if they're not toxic and abusive and stuff like that. Also, good for you for not snapping on Lisa, because I feel like after a text like that, y'all could be, girl, y'all might be meeting in the parking lot and you might, you know what I mean? Yes. Yeah. You don't want to put pause on nobody. So good for you for not, you know, feeding into that. And then I would say keeping receipts, like keep yes. keeping those screenshots because you can definitely leverage that. You know, in this situation. And then you probably do this already, but talk to your baby girl about what is her experience around Lisa? Like, is Lisa treating her right? Because Lisa may be giving you all this energy, but she may not have the same energy with your daughter. And if she's treating her well, that's good. But you've probably already done this, but I would definitely talk to David about what's important to you as it relates to your baby girl and like who she's around. Because if that's how Lisa is texting you, I can only imagine what her vibe is like in person. But again, I don't know the context and the history and everything that you all have been through, but it's definitely a tricky situation. So be sure to, as best as you can, lean into your village. You talked about yes. you know, being raised about or being raised and taught that it takes a village. So I'm assuming that you do have a village that you're part of. So definitely lean into those folks so that you can try to find the best outcome here because this is not easy stuff.
0: Not at all, not at all. And yes, and, and part of leaning into that village is, Not just support for your daughter, but support for you, like that's separate from your daughter. Girl, I'm looking at this last
1: question and I'm like, "Mm, I'm ready to go in. I want to say my old toxic self is coming out (laughs) as I'm reading this. My old toxic dating self is coming out as I'm reading this. I'm like, "Mm, girl, I know exactly what to tell you. But do you want to take over this one or should I go ahead and dive in?
0: You can go on ahead and and read it and I'll tell you, (laughs) yes, (laughs) how not to let that old toxic self come into this.
1: I want to choose names just so we have context when we're talking about it. Let's call them Crystal. Okay. All right. So Crystal says, how to stop being so accessible. For example, being in a situationship, you wanting more and them not. However, you're still making yourself available because somehow you still have hope. But it's eating you up inside. I think many of us have been there or know someone who's been there before. So can I tell you what I was thinking first time and then you yeah. let me know if you think it's toxic? I know one thing that I used to do when, you know, being in the dating scene is I guess a little bit of playing hard to get, but also not showing all of my cards. So if I was this person and I felt like someone didn't want to be there, well then I'm not gonna show I'm not making myself available. Like if you are showing me that you don't want to be there. I'm not about to put more effort in than you're putting in. So I wouldn't necessarily say it's toxic, but just like protecting myself, I guess you could say, because I truly believe that people make time for people that they want to be with.
0: Yes. All right, T, that question right there. I know so many people who have experienced or might currently be in a situationship but I'm also wanting to be mindful of our our time, right? So we're going to take this question on over to the after show. So lady, you want to hear about how we respond to situationships? Head on over to our after show.
1: All right, lady. And to get access to the after show, you can head on over to herspacepodcast.com and click on Patreon, Wisdom Wednesday with Terry and you can join us for the after show because we're going to dive in a little bit deeper into this question. There's a lot to talk about here. Hey lady, it's Terry here from Cultivating Her Space. Are you tired of working hard for your money? Do you want your business to run smoothly when you're out of office? If you want to learn how to automate your business cash flow and increase your impact and influence, Join me for my free workshop at brandwithterry.com. Again, that's brandwithterry.com. My name is spelled T-E-R-R-I. Hope to see you there, lady.
0: Thanks for joining us today. Please note that our show may contain conversations about self-help, advice, self-empowerment, and mental health but is by no means meant to be a substitute for an ongoing formal relationship with a trained mental health provider. If you or someone you know is in need of mental health care, please visit the Therapy for Black Girls directory, Psychology Today, or contact your insurance provider.
1: If you liked what you heard and want to keep the conversation going, visit our website, cultivatingherspace.com. And be sure to click the Patreon tab to get access to video content, bonuses, and our weekly after show. And before we meet again, repeat after me. I am doing the best I can with the understanding, knowledge, and awareness I have at this moment.